Hello, everyone. Welcome to the week 14 episode of Stacking the Box. Myself, Ian McMillan, joined once again, Sterling Holmes at Homestretch KC. I got a lot to talk about this week, including a very tight MVP race, a very tight playoff race, uh, and whether or not a couple of teams might be fraudulent. Sterling, I might be looking at your Chiefs. Maybe. Uh, But before we get into the show here today, oh, and also Sterling, still alive in Survivor, so... um, I won't be able to buy Christmas gifts this year for any of my family because uh, all my Christmas gift money is going to go to Sterling because he's going to end up winning this Survivor thing. Uh, Unbelievable. Uh, Before we get into the show, though, uh, Stack in the Box is partnering with Sleeper Daily Fantasy to give new users a first deposit match up to $100. Make sure to use our code FANSIDED2. That is FANSIDED and then the number two when signing up to receive your deposit match. Please remember to always game responsibly. And you can scan the QR code on the screen to see if you qualify. So it's a good reason to check us out on YouTube. And if you are watching this on YouTube, subscribe to the channel. You can go ahead and just scan the QR code there uh, to take advantage of this promo. Sleeper Daily Fantasy. Sterling, what's going on? Oh, man. What isn't going on? Mm. Yeah. No, things are good, man. I'm, I'm excited to be here with you to talk some football. This was a wild week. Yeah. Um, backup city. I think Chad Henney, you, you know, Chase Daniel, Blaine Gabbert, Tyrod Taylor, they should all be thrilled right now. It's the, it's the season of backup quarterbacks. It's just too bad those four guys specifically aren't in it. But this is their dream right now. But yet the football is still uh, being played at a high level, even with some of these backup dudes in there. Yeah, last night, uh, the by the end of the game, we retreated to Jake Browning against C.J. Bethard. What a treat uh, as the Bengals keep their playoff hopes alive. And maybe the... Jaguar season might be over, depending on this Trevor Lawrence injury. We'll get into that a little bit. Uh, but Sterling, as always, we're going to start with the biggest winners and losers from week 13. Start us off. Who is your biggest winner? Uh, I got two here. I want to start with Jake Browning, because after last night's performance, I thought that that was just a phenomenal game from him. Great game plan from the head coach and the Bengals in general, right? Early on in the game, check it down. <clears throat> Let him get into a rhythm. And then it opened up. Obviously, he started using Jamar Chase downfield. He started using T. Higgins downfield. Tyler Boyd, uh, Trenton Irwin. I, I was very impressed with the game plan that he delivered. He was incredible. Uh, quarterback controversy going on in Cincinnati now. I'm um, just going to go ahead and throw that out there. <laughs> I'm kidding. But still, that was a great performance from Jake Browning. And then for me, the team is the Packers. Packers have been on a heater. Jordan Love looks like he figured something out. The Chiefs defense has been incredible all season long. He's been about the only dude to crack the case against this Chiefs defense. He he was a a great game plan, moved the ball efficiently, took care of the football most importantly. Um, I think the Packers right now, you would be feeling pretty good, especially in regards to making the playoffs now because their schedule lightens up tremendously after that Chiefs game. Yes, I believe the Packers actually have the easiest remaining schedule based on opponent win percentage uh, the rest of the way here. Uh, if not the easiest, the, the second easiest. Uh, yeah, we're going to talk with the Packers uh, a little bit later in the show, so I'll save my thoughts with them for now. But uh, Jake Browning, do you think it's sustainable? Uh, or do you think last night was just uh, kind of a one-time thing? Well, I don't think he's going to do, what, 360 and all that right. stuff every single game. But there was nothing that I saw that, that showed me that, okay, this was just a one-off. Like, you look at how he got it done. It was efficient. It wasn't, uh, I mean, obviously, what, 70 yards were on a Jamar Chase uh, catch and run. But right. outside of that, I mean, he was efficient, got the, got the ball out on time into the right spot, and the receivers made plays. I, I, I was very enthused by uh, Jake Browning. And it's not like the Jaguars' defense uh, is a bad defense either. Uh, probably an above-average, borderline good defense heading into last night's game. So it's not like he did that against uh, one of the worst defense in the NFL either. So the Bengals all of a sudden back to 6-6 six and six, uh, in that group of three teams at 6-6. Six and six, um, And then there's a huge group in front of them at 7-5. and five. So AFC playoff race, extremely tight uh, heading down the stretch. And the Bengals kind of kept their hopes alive by winning that game last night. Uh, my biggest winner... Uh, are the 49ers, Lions, and Cowboys, uh, that group of the kind of top-tier teams not named the Eagles in the NFC because with the Eagles all of a sudden losing to the 49ers and losing um, in a big way, all of a sudden the number one seed in the NFC kind of opens up. Uh, the NFC East kind of opens up. I mean, if the Cowboys beat the Eagles this week, they're both going to be sitting at 10-3 and three, uh, heading into the final four games of the season. So all of a sudden where the Eagles... Uh, Kind of look like the kings in the of the NFC, and they'd have the number one seed locked up. Uh, they don't even they don't have the number one seed. They don't even really have the division lead uh, locked up. Uh, and the rest of their schedule not exactly easy. Now, to be fair, the Cowboys' schedule is tough down the stretch as well. 
Um, but the rest of the NFC, or at least the contenders in the NFC, uh, got to be pretty happy with this uh, past week's results. Mm. Uh, biggest loser for me. Uh, again, I got two here. Uh, the Jags, because they had a chance to really cement their season, right? Moving to nine and three. You're right yep. there. One or two in the AFC picture. You're looking good. You lose to a backup quarterback. And now you don't even have the AFC South locked up because the feisty Texans are right there knocking at the door. And not only that, you might have lost Trevor Lawrence for an extended period of time. Now, initial initial reports uh, sound slightly promising, right? Sounds like no broken bone, which is obviously uh, the worry when you see a guy step up, fall immediately down, and then throw his helmet down in disgust. Um, but still, not a good situation for the Jacksonville Jaguars and what was a fairly wide-open AFC. And then the refs, man. The refs. Continuously, they've – and I feel like we say it every single week. I feel like we say it every single year. But and this wasn't even just in the Chiefs' favor or, or against the Chiefs in this one. If you watch the end of that game, Packers-Chiefs, there were four blown calls on that final drive. Four. Two win in favor of Kansas City, two win against. Yeah. At, at some point, you're just sitting here going, what are we doing here, guys? Are we just randomly calling stuff? I also have an issue with holds in the NFL. I'm convinced if you are a defensive lineman, and you just throw your one arm up in the air like this, you will automatically get a hold call. If you try and mind your business, even if you get held to oblivion, well, you didn't throw your hand, your hand up there. We're not going to call it. Like, I just have a issue with players almost influencing the refs. The refs have no idea what's going on. Uh, this has become too much of a talking point in a season where it should be about football, should be about betting, but instead we're talking about the refs. Yeah, I agree, Sterling. That's a great point, actually, which is something I have noticed this year specifically is the increase in refs reacting to players reacting. Uh, yeah, if a defensive lineman puts his hands up as if he's being held, almost every time we'll get a flag. If an offensive player puts his hands up as if the defensive player you know, had pass interference on him, they throw the flag. Uh, sometimes even when uh, uh, like a defensive lineman before the snap will stand up and point at the offensive lineman as if he twitched, and sometimes that, that gets a flag for a false start as well. It is a lot of players reacting to try to get the refs to throw flags, and it's working more often than not, which is extremely concerning. It's almost as if the refs are so scared to not call a penalty that they're, now they're kind of over-calling penalties. Yeah, 100%. Um, Last, and, and I mean, this game was on Thursday night, so now we've kind of forgot about it, but uh, the Seahawks-Cowboys game was a flag every play. 19 total total penalties accepted, 130 yards for penalties for the uh, Seahawks, 127 total penalty yards for the Cowboys. We can't have that. We can't have 19 flags thrown in a game. No. And actually, more flags were thrown than it's 19 penalties accepted in a game. That's insane. That it's ruins real. the product of football. Yeah. Uh, my biggest loser is anyone who sat through that Falcons-Jets game at MetLife Stadium, uh, myself included. What a miserable experience that was. Thank God that uh, the Falcons ended up winning the game, so there was a little bit of, uh, of a redeeming factor, but uh, the stadium was like maybe 40, 40% full. Uh, it rained from start to finish. Uh, I did buy a very fancy poncho uh, that I wore to the stadium, but also it was cold, so I had my winter jacket on underneath it. I was all bundled up. I didn't want to move. Um, also, I guess, is this, is this a New Jersey law? They stopped selling beer at halftime. Like I thought it was fourth quarter. They stopped selling beer, but halftime, I tried to get a beer at halftime. I couldn't brutal, especially for that game. You think they would start busting out the, the liquor as well. Like, all right, not only are you now getting beer into the fourth quarter, you're getting a, a pounder of beer as well as a shot of Jack Daniels. Like that, that seems like that would have been the move there. Yeah, uh, my plan was to drink my way through the game and uh, worked up till halftime. Yeah, halftime, try to get a drink. No, uh, no, no alcohol after halftime. And I got a seat right in front of one of the two end zones. Uh, and of course, all the action was at the other end of the field the entire game. And the one touchdown was scored in the other end zone as well. Oh, yeah, the Falcons third string tight end. Because again, why get Kyle Pitts involved when you can use your third string tight end now? Yeah, but a win is a win is a win is a win. Uh, we are now sole possession of first place in the NFC South. But that was, uh, and also on the on the way home back to Manhattan, not exactly easy to get to my MetLife Stadium. Got to take a couple trains. Uh, one of the trains broke down, so I just sat on a train. It should have been about a 40-minute trip for me to get back home between 40 minutes and an hour. It took me about two, two and a half hours to get back home. Are you sure it was a train or not the Jets' offense? Yeah, it was, yeah, probably a mix of both.
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Um, so that's my biggest loser of the week. Anyone, including myself, who sat through uh, that game uh, in the rain on Sunday. Uh, top story MVP race is heating up. It seems like we talk about the MVP race on, on an almost weekly basis on the show, but for good reason, because we are now week 14 in the NFL and there are like six, seven guys who can still win MVP. Usually by this point of the season, we have a pretty good idea who's going to win it. If not, it's down to like two or three guys. There's like seven or eight guys who can still win it. Uh, Dak Prescott and Brock Purdy are the co-favorites right now at three to one to win NFL MVP. Sterling, your thoughts on this. Can Dak Prescott win MVP? I think he can. Um, this is tough, man. I mean, I actually tried saying Dak Prescott needs more credit for winning MVP this season, uh, which is weird for me to say because I've always been a, a – he's not a huge needle mover to me personally, but he's been this – he's been great this year. Like, there's no denying how good he has been this season. The issue is – they haven't really beaten any good teams. Right. And I wonder how much, and again, I, I've said it every single week, and I'll say it again, they'll be up three scores in, late in the fourth quarter, and they're running play action for a bomb to CeeDee Lamb. Like, when they beat teams, they're not running the clock out. They're trying to score more and almost pad those stats. I wonder how much of that will get will get held against him. Like Brock Purdy on the, on the other side of things. You don't see the Niners do that. When they get up, what happens? They just run the football. They run the clock out. They're they're very efficient. And that's what it comes down to is I, – I, I know Hunter is going to be pissed at me when I say it, but how much does Brock Purdy really move the needle? I think if you take Dak Prescott out of the Cowboys system, they take a massive step back. You put Brock Purdy out of the Niners system, how many quarterbacks could do a similar thing that he does? I think your answer is a decent amount. Yeah, it's an argument we've had several times in the show. We don't need to revisit that. Um, but I will say uh, Brock Purdy does lead in some stats, but Dak Prescott's right there. Um, and the Cowboys do have a little bit more of a difficult schedule down the stretch, but really the teams that the Cowboys play down the stretch are kind of all teams who have good offenses but bad defenses, like the Eagles this week, whose defense is atrocious. We'll talk about them a little bit later. Bills, Dolphins, Lions, like, yeah, they have tough games down the stretch, but none of them are really good defenses. They're all teams that are more offensive based. So uh, Dak Prescott's going to end the year with uh, a lot of good numbers. Do you think the fact that he plays on the Cowboys, obviously America's team uh, is going to play any level of impact at all on the voters and who they vote for? Mm. Um, it's a good question. Uh, first off, Justin, I will answer your question in just a moment there. Um that's a good question, man. Again, I think Brock Purdy's a good quarterback. I think he's better. Brock Purdy's better than the people who think he does nothing, think he is. But I don't quite think he's as great as the Brock Purdy for MVP folks like Hunter think he, thinks he is. Like, I think he's a good quarterback. I think he's a really good quarterback. But if it were my choice, is he more important to that team than Christian McCaffrey? Right. I mean, seriously, is he more important than Christian McCaffrey? Important? No. No, I don't think so. so then but if that. it's a quarterback award, he has the best quarterback numbers. Agreed. But again, I don't. My, my main leads argument, the NFL in QBR, leads the NFL in quarterback rating, leads the uh, NFL by a wide margin in yards per throw, nine point six. That next close is eight point six. 
my the NFL in completion percentage. Or my no, main argument yes. is I don't think it should be a quarterback award, especially this season. For a guy right. like me who's very analytical in a season where I, I think quarterback play has been down for the most part overall. Again, I, I think Brock Purdy should be way ahead of Lamar Jackson, way ahead of Patrick Mahomes, way ahead of Jalen Hurts, way ahead of Tua Tagovailoa. Right? Because the same argument for Tua is the same one I use against Brock Purdy. Right? I think Tyree Kill moves the needle way more than Tua Tagovailoa. Right? I, yes. I, I, think we, I think we can all agree there. So for me, what it comes down to is in a season where I know it's traditionally a quarterback award with no quarterback necessarily moving the needle in my eyes, I'm going a little out of the box and I'm going with Tyreek Hill. I think Tyreek Hill's uh, been historical this season. That's the way I'm going. Yeah, I want to talk with Tyreek Hill. Why don't you uh, address Justin's question there first? Uh, what's your confidence level in Browning and the Bengals moving forward? Six and six, obviously still uh, in the thick of the playoff hunt. Can, can he do enough to lead the Bengals at least to the playoffs? I'll have to look at the rest of their schedule. They still have to play the Chiefs. They still have a couple of tough games left. Obviously, we know how difficult the AFC North is in general. But I was impressed last or last night with, with uh, Justin Browning. Um, or Jake Browning, sorry. I can't even get his name right. Uh, with, with Jay Browning. I mean, again, we talked about it. When you have great weapons and the offensive line holds up like it did, it wasn't like he had to score 17 points to win that game because the defense was electric. He had to put up 34 to get it done, but he got it done. He was calm. He was cool. He was collected. Um, I was impressed with, with, with Browning in that game, and I, I do think there's a outside chance they can still keep it together. Again, I wouldn't put money on it, but I think there's an outside chance they can still keep it together. Uh, Bengals close their season off against Colts. They're a one-point underdog at home to the Colts this week. And then they have the Vikings, Steelers, Chiefs, Browns. So I would say all winnable games. Chiefs likely going to be a loss. Um, the other ones are all going to be... Like the point spread for all of them is going to be three points or less. Uh, like I said, one-point underdog to the Colts against the Vikings. Probably two-point underdog maybe. Steelers going to be close depending on Kenny Pickett's status. Going to be significant underdogs to the Chiefs, especially on the road. Uh, and then last game of the season against the Browns, going to be close as well. So, um, yeah, Bengals are going to be an interesting team down the stretch. Yeah. Um, Tyreek Hill, uh, you did mention him. You've talked about him all season. You think he deserves to be MVP. This is the first time this week that we actually saw the MVP odds. Uh, if you look at betting odds um, as a predictor of who's going to win the award, um, move in Tyreek's, Tyreek Hill's favor. Now, he's still 15 to 1. Um, so there are a handful of quarterbacks. If you're watching this on YouTube, you see the list down there at the bottom of the screen scrolling across it. Um, but after the big names, after the Dak Prescott, Brock Purdy, Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Tua, Tyreek Hill coming in at 15 to one, where all season he was hanging around 30 to one, 50 to one. So we did see some significant odds move in his favor. 15 to one, still a bit of a long shot. Um, but at least now the betting market thinks he's in the conversation. Um so maybe now is the time to take a look at betting on Tyreek Hill because if he breaks 2,000 receiving yards, which I believe he's well on pace to do, that breaking that mark is going to play a big role. Um, him finishing with 2,001 yards is significantly different from him finishing with 1,999. Even though it's a two-yard difference, that milestone of 2,000 yards is going to play a big role, especially if these quarterbacks just kind of play middling down the stretch. Now, one of these quarterbacks, if they like if Brock Purdy or Dak just lights it up the last four or five weeks of the season, they're probably going to win it. But if they like have a good game, then a bad game, then an average game, it opens it up for Tyreek Hill. And they might at the end of the season, the voters might just have no choice, but to give it to the guy who set the single season record for receiving yards in Tyreek Hill. But see, and even that, I don't like the, Again, I'm not disagreeing with you. I think you're using the argument of the voters. Where, where you seeing to go, we have no choice but to give it to a non-quarterback. It is a choice. You're giving it to who moved the needle the most. It's Tyreek Hill. He's doing something historic. It's never been done before. Like, how is that not deserving of the most valuable player? It's been wild. Like, the fact that he's behind Tua makes zero sense to me. Zero mm. to me. I mean, seriously, you take him off that team and you're putting Braxton Berrios as the wide receiver two and move Jalen Wilde to wide receiver one, you're telling me Tua's numbers are going to be similar? They right. wouldn't even be close. Like, that is Tyreek Hill. He's the difference maker on that team. Um, obviously, I'm beating a dead horse, Hill, dead horse here, but that's, that's my vote for sure is Tyreek Hill. 
Yeah, he is currently on pace to finish with 2,097 uh, yards, or if you round up, uh, 2,098 yards on the season. Um, he is also, this is worth noting, leading the NFL in receiving touchdowns by two as well. So it's not just uh, yards, it is touchdowns as well. Now he is nine yards behind, or sorry, nine receptions behind Keenan Allen for the most receptions in the NFL, but leading by wide margin in yards, leading by two in touchdowns. Um it's hard to argue against Tyreek Hill winning it. Yeah. Who would you vote for? I've, I've told you who I'm voting for. I think I think I would vote Tyreek Hill right now. Um, I, I'm personally rooting for Brock Purdy because I bet Brock Purdy a significant sum of money at 14 to 1. So I'll retire and be rich uh, if Brock Purdy <laughs> wins MVP. Um, but if I had a vote right now, I think... I think I'd vote Tyreek Hill. That's, that's how you get out of the uh, your loss to me in Survivor. Yeah, that's, that's correct. That's, that's I need Brock Purdy to win MVP so I can pay up on on the Survivor pool. Yes, it'll the money will just go in one hand out the other. Mike says I can't believe teams still don't put a safety on top of Hill. Yeah, someone in the media asked uh, Tyreek Hill about that this week, uh, and he was like, uh, he, he said something like thank you to the teams for disrespecting me or something like that, because it's just opening things up for him. But I mean, even if they put a safety on top, I, I don't think it matters most of the time. It really doesn't matter. This is the best he has looked like yeah. from a chiefs fan who saw him here for so long. This is the best he's looked. His route running seems crisper. He's tracking the ball even better, right? Just some of those over the shoulder catches. He looks way smoother on the speed and acceleration is there. It just, it's wild to think a guy as athletic as he is in the age that he is, where you normally see the natural decline of an NFL wide receiver. He is somehow still getting better. It's, it's a, uh, he's always had great football IQ too. Just his football IQ is through the roof. It's very impressive. This is the first time in a long time we're watching Tyreek Hill play football. It looks like I'm watching like a high school football tape on YouTube where it's like one guy who's like going to get like, 50 division one scholarship offers and he's playing in like a random you know uh high school team in like iowa or something he's clearly the best player on the field that's what tyreek hill looks like and he's doing it on an nfl field because like he'll catch a ball and there'll be like defenders on either side and he's so fast like he's able to just burst right through which like you usually see when you're watching like high school football it's insane uh so yeah i'd give tyreek hill my vote we'll see uh if his odds continue to move in his direction here in the final stretch of the season for what it's worth christian mccaffrey 30 to 1 so he's technically still in the mix uh to win mvp but uh, i don't think he's quite done enough uh this season um yeah uh in terms of most valuable player like if you use it by definition i think christian mccaffrey is a great argument but his actual stats like yards per carry kind of deal uh not not quite up to an mvp level um but the he just does it all which is the argument you can make for him um, do you think a record, do you think the, the team's final record uh, plays a role in winning MVP? Like, do you think, depending on what team finishes with the one seed in the respective conference, does that play a role at all in MVP? I think it does. I don't know how much it should. Like, I go back and forth on it, right? Because obviously that means your team's great, but why are you penalizing guys? And I, I know I've done it before. You know, like, people penalize Mahomes for having Kelsey and, and Tyree Kill when he was here, right? And I kind of am doing it myself when I'm penalizing, to an extent, Brock Purdy for having great weapons. It's tough for me to say most valuable player when if you took, um, for example, let's say C.J. Stroud off of the Texans, you put Davis Mills there. We, we saw what that team looks like. Right. Like, it's a very difficult conversation to have. But again, how much do you penalize a guy for winning? He's doing what he's supposed to do. What do you want him to do? Throw to dudes not named Brandon IU, Debo Samuel, and Christian McCaffrey? Like, it's a very fine line, but I do think record plays a part in this, but how much um, I think that does remain to be seen. Uh, we brought up the Packers earlier, um, and I think the Packers, if there was an award given out at this point of the season or even at the end of the season for most improved team, and I'm not talking about most improved from last year to this year, I'm talking about most improved from September to now, it's the Green Bay Packers by far. Um, they went from looking like a, below average team at the start of the year. I mean, the Falcons beat them. That's not a good sign. Uh, I think that at one point they lost like four or five games in a row to now all of a sudden the Packers look like a legitimately good football team. Not a great football team. They're not a Super Bowl contender, but they look like a good football team that just beat the defending champs, to be fair. Jordan Love, most improved player. Most improved player on the most improved team. He looks like a completely different quarterback out there on the field. Uh, early in the season, 
he looked raw. Uh, he made a lot of dumb mistakes. Um, he looked like he wasn't calm in the pocket. Now he's doing all the right things. He's making the right decisions. He's using his feet not only just to run, but using his feet to buy time for his receivers to get open. He looks calm in the pocket. He's making good throws. He's taking some shots when he has the chance to. What are your thoughts on the Packers right now? Do you think they're a legitimate playoff team? They're now favored to make the playoffs. I think they're going to be in the playoffs no matter what. Uh, And what are your thoughts on Jordan Love? Yeah, I mean, let's start with Jordan Love. He started off this season with, what, 50% completion percentage. We, We saw some of the the box score numbers, right? We saw some of the yep. yards and the touchdowns. We're like, wow, that's impressive. But it was not sustainable when you are not completing uh, at least 60%, 65% of your passes. Well, then you see after that stretch where the, the it caught up to him, right? It was unsustainable, as you mentioned. And then all of a sudden, the completion percentage went up. He started yep. taking care of the football more. He stopped trying to play hero ball, if you will. I, I know it's tough for a lot of these young guys. I know he's not necessarily that young because he's sat behind Rodgers and stuff for a few years now. But it's very difficult, I think, for guys who were always superstars growing up, high school, college. They're so used to making those throws because it works when you do that in high school and in college. But the NFL is a different animal. It's a different beast. You have to almost tone back just a little bit. Guys are quicker, faster, better reads. Defenses are now trying to confuse you. So I think Jordan Love had to go through some growing pains there, even though it is his fourth season in the NFL, but it's his first year really starting. And we're seeing the results. I think he's a really, really good quarterback. I think there's a lot of talent there. Um, I think he is going to be the guy for Green Bay for uh, for a long time. Now, I don't think he's going to be Brett Favre or Aaron Rodgers, but I think he's going to be a very, very good quarterback for a very long time. That is a huge step in the right direction for a organization, for a team. Now, as far as the team in general, the defense has had a ton of injuries, but Rashawn Gary's been outstanding. Obviously, you know, Jair Alexander's been injured. Um Secondary has been banged up all season long, but somehow they've gotten better. I know everyone's Barry fired as the as a defensive corner because he's so bland, but for some reason the injuries have actually made his system work better, which is a little interesting to say. Uh, they're starting to peak at the right time. You know, once they get Aaron Jones back, once AJ Dillon gets fully healthy, the offensive line's been banged up, moving in and out. You know, in game they're having different tackles, different guards take one one series on, one series off. Once they get more continuity, I mean, this is a, in my opinion, a really good NFC team. Yeah, I am glad uh, just to go back to Jordan Love. You brought up completion percentage because that was but my big knock on him early in the year. Because early in the year, he was getting the yards, he was getting the touchdowns. Uh, but I was telling people, like, we got to start betting against this team because early in the year, his completion percentage 55.6, 56%, 50%, 53.3. And now you look at his recent starts 69.4, 68.8, 67.5. 76.9 against the Rams. The numbers in terms of yards and touchdowns are still there, but now we're seeing the difference in complete uh, completion percentage, which is huge because that's what's going to convert third downs into first downs. That's what's going to keep your offense on the field. That's what's going to be able to convert, you know, red zone uh, trips to touchdowns. So um, Packers have been very impressive. It is not fair that they have gone from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers to another good quarterback. Like at least give us a couple years where they have a bad quarterback. No, must be nice Packers fans. Um, speaking of the Packers, uh, let's talk with the team. They just beat, uh, are the chiefs frauds? No, I hold on. I will say last week, if you remember, I said, I like the chiefs or the Packers to cover. And I also said, I wouldn't be surprised if they beat the chiefs. And what'd you say? I said, that's laughable. I said, that's not, you said not a chance. And the reason was, was I thought it was a bad matchup for the Packers. I, again, I didn't say the Packers were a bad team. I right. said it was a bad yeah, yeah. matchup. It, same reason why I said the Eagles were going to get crushed by the Niners because it's a bad matchup. Not that they're a bad team. It's a bad matchup. I was wrong. <laughs> no quarterback has done this against the Chiefs defense all season long. Yes, now, again, I, I will say injuries are no excuse because injuries happen in the NFL. Like you have to get through it next man up. Uh, the Chiefs were now on their third play caller on defense because obviously no Nick Bolton, which they knew. So Drew Tranquil was there. Well, he got injured very early because of Quadzilla A.J. Dillon getting it to the back of his dome. He was concussed. So then Jack Conkren, who doesn't play at all, had to come in, and now he is the play caller. And the Green right. Bay Packers took advantage of it. There, there were times on that huge run, was it by Tucker? It's like 30 yards where he's trying to communicate to Justin Reed, and they're not on the same page because Conkren doesn't know – What's going on? I think he actually played a pretty good game, all things being considered, but it wasn't enough when you are all of a sudden forced into that role. You don't have a whole week to get prepared. 
you didn't have a whole quarter to get prepared. You're now thrust into it mid-game. And uh, I think it was just too much to overcome. Again, the Packers played great. Um, yeah, tip, tip your cap, man. The Chiefs aren't frauds. The offense isn't great, but the defense is still legitimately good. They're going to get some reinforcements back. Um, they're wide receivers. Those are the frauds. Well, I mean, that's that's part of the issue, though. <clears throat> If you don't have wide receivers, it's it, it's it's hard. It's going to be hard to beat elite teams now, and potentially on the road in the playoffs. Are you concerned? Oh yeah, I I don't disagree with that. But that doesn't mean they're frauds. Like no, you're right. I yeah, I I just wanted to use the word fraud just to get you going a little bit. I don't think they're they are frauds, but they're in trouble. Yeah, I think they're still a really good team that has a fatal flaw, which pretty much every single team in the NFL right now has a fatal flaw. The only team that really doesn't is the 49ers. I would say the Ravens possibly too, although the Ravens don't really have good wide, wide receivers either. Um. Okay. So uh, nervous, but you're not, you're not out on the chiefs yet. no, no, I lived in the Tyler Palco and Tyler Thigpen and Damon Heward and uh, the emergence of Matt Castle and the two games of Kyle Orton era. Okay, I'm we're chilling eight and all four, right. and you're still going to win the AFC West. It's okay. All right, all right, I like it. That is true. They have who is the closest in the in the AFC West right now? The Broncos. Yeah, probably. Yeah, Broncos. six and six. Uh, Chiefs only have two more wins than the Atlanta Falcons. Fact. Yeah, schedules have been very similar too. Yeah, very similar. <laughs> right. Um, are the Eagles frauds? No. Yes, no. they are. The They're Eagles not. are frauds. The Eagles are frauds. I've been on the Eagles have been frauds train for a while now, and this past week showed it. The Eagles defense is atrocious. And they keep getting worse on a weekly basis. Let me let, let me look at some numbers here uh, for the Eagles defense. They're, the Eagles, because their offense is still good. The Eagles, 24th in opponent yards per play, 27th in opponent EPA per play, 20th in opponent success rate, and the worst stat, which is going to kill the Eagles. This is why they're not going to win the Super Bowl. Dead last in third down defense. Yeah. They're worse than any other team on defense on third down. Worse than the Cardinals, worse than the Giants. You name a team, dead last is dead last. Dead last and opponent third down conversion rate. Teams are converting 47.27% of third third downs against them. That's not a winning formula. Can, can, can I pose something to you, Ian? Yes. Again, because I'm with you. The defense has been atrocious, and you're looking at it going, well, why? Look at all the talent. I mean, there is so much talent on that defense. It's crazy, right? You know, Darius sure. Slay is obviously older. James Bradbury is obviously older. I get that stuff. Maybe they did fall off. But part of me, they've had a lot of injuries. Their slot cornerback situation is not ideal. Avante Maddox got injured. They're, they're on like their third or fourth now slot corner, undrafted dudes. I get it. But there's still a ton of talent on that defense overall. How much of it is, A, they lost their defensive coordinator, right? He's gone. Was it losing him? And how much of it is they still have a lot of talent and they're trying to adjust and maybe as the season ends up, the last couple of weeks, maybe even into the playoffs, there's still a chance with that talent with them finally starting to click with a new defensive coordinator and scheme, they get right. I don't think they will because they're trending in the wrong direction. For the majority sure. of the season, they are an average defense. Over the past few weeks, they've now turned into a bad defense. Sure. Um, and we're 13 weeks into the season. Correct. Yeah. We've seen enough. And now maybe if they maybe if they started off the season as a bad defense and they've turned into an average defense, they're trending in the right direction. Sure. But they're trending in the wrong direction. It's not good. Yeah. No, I, I'm not disagreeing. I just think it's an interesting conversation to have because I do think there's still a lot of talent. If you looked at that team, you're sitting here going, wow, that's a lot of dudes. But then I, I, yeah, I do. But- you do have to remember, again, losing your D.C., who's been there a while, who had one of the better defenses in the NFL last year. That is a huge loss. Yeah, I think I think that's that's got to be the biggest thing. It's 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 got to be their defensive coordinator not being there. Uh, Justin asked Sterling, do you think KT, I'm, I'm guessing that's uh, Kadarius Tony, will finally get to play wide receiver instead of being a gadget guy? I would hope so because I'm irate every single week that he is somehow used as a little Debo Samuel and they're like, yeah, mm-hmm. we're trying to keep him healthy. Then why the bleep are you running the ball with him? Like, right. why are you putting him in situations to take more unnecessary hits, more physical hits, than just put him at wide receiver? 
When he's at wide receiver, the only only guy that hurts him is him because his knees are like jello and he's out there trying to make some dudes miss. When was the last time you've seen him at wide receiver just get popped? Guys don't get a good clean shot on him. I would love to see more Tony at wide receiver. I hate the thought process of, yeah, well, MVS is a veteran. He knows where to be. Well, clearly he doesn't. He has zero idea where to be. He doesn't come back to the ball. He has no idea where the ball's... He, the opposite of Tyree Kill, he somehow goes into the safety help when there's a wide open field to the left of him. It's asinine. Tony can do the same thing. Um, yes, Justin, I would love to see more Kadarius Tony. Will we see more of him? Probably not, knowing how the Chiefs operate. Uh, and then I got one last question for you. I'm curious your take on this, and then we're going to move on to uh, previewing week 14 here. Uh, but if you look at the betting odds for to win the Super Bowl, there is clearly a first tier of teams and then a second tier of teams. First tier, you have the 49ers, the Eagles, the Chiefs, the Ravens, the Dolphins, and the Cowboys. Then there is a large gap, and then there is a second tier of teams. Second tier would include, I guess, Lions, Jaguars, Bills, and then there's kind of a third tier of Texans, Browns, Packers, Falcons. Falcons are listed because they're probably going to win the NFC South. That's the only mm. reason why they're listed. Um, if you were if you were to pick a team from that second and third tier to win the Super Bowl, which team would you go with? Ooh, it's between for me the Lions and the Bills. Um, no faith in your Texans. Not this year. I, again, you, you know, I, I'm very high on the Texans. I was very high, but I, yep. I'm trying to be a realist here, right? I'm trying to be a realist. Um, I think the AFC is a lot harder overall. Um, I think it's a lot when you're playing a lot of teams, you've had a lot of playoff experience, if not success, a lot of playoffs experience, you know, with, with the chiefs, even with the Ravens, they get there every single year. Um, you know, if the bills make it, I still think the bills are a dangerous team. I, I just don't know if they make it. If the bills make it, that to me is the best odds of anyone. I just don't know if they're going to make it there. When you have Josh Allen, you're never out of a game. Now he can take you out of a game, but he can also put you back into a game. When he is on, he is the only guy that can go toe-to-toe with Patrick Mahomes. The issue is he has been playing so much hero ball this season, it has hurt them. Uh, their defense is ancient. I mean, I've talked about it. Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer, both 32 years old. Tredavious White looks 32. He's been banged up, obviously. Matt Milano has been injured a, lo- a large chunk of the season. Um, it's tough, man. Uh, Von Miller's not been good when he's even been out there on the field. It's been a hard season for the Bills. But again, when you look at that team overall, the talent, um, they're still a dangerous team. I do like the Lions overall. I said that from the get-go. I think the NFC is not quite as deep, although with the Niners kind of separating themselves, it makes it a little more difficult. But I like the Lions, man. I, I, when you are that good in the trenches, especially on the offensive line, you always have a shot. You will always have a shot when your offensive line is the best in the NFL. Uh, yeah, I think I would go the bills. Cause I, I think if the bill, now the issue with the bills is they might not get the, in the playoffs, but if they can sneak into the postseason, I think they're a very, very dangerous team. And it's because the same reason why I've, you know, t- I've talked about the bills, uh, recently is I still think they're an elite team, but they are a team that everything that could have gone wrong for them in several different games has gone wrong for them. I think they're much, much, much better than their record. Obviously a lot of defensive issues, but if the bills can sneak in, um, I wouldn't be surprised to see if they kind of go on a run. Um, Falcons, let me make a very quick case for, for my Falcons. Now, they're not going to win the Super Bowl. I'm not going to make that argument. You and I already have a bet that the I know. Falcons have win a to win game. a playoff game. And right now, it's going to be they're going to host the Cowboys. Most likely. You like that Or one? if they don't win the division, they a good chance they, they get a wild card spot, and then they would be the worst wild card team. So then they play either the Eagles or the 49ers probably <laughs> on the road. <laughs> I mean, who knows the Cowboys choke in the playoffs. Maybe we do want to host the Cowboys in the first round. Who knows? I will make a case for Atlanta to win a playoff game here though. Their defense is legitimately good. They were like an above average defense. Now they're a good defense and they're good in two very specific key areas, which is why they're able to win some of these games and, you know, beat the jets by a score 13 to eight. First in the NFL and third down defense, second or sorry, first in the NFL and red zone defense, second and third down defense. They are keeping teams from getting in the end zone. I think it's like 26 straight drives that they haven't allowed a touchdown on, on defense. And they're keeping teams from converting third downs into first downs. That's massive. If they can do that against good teams, they'll at least be in the hunt in these games. Yeah, the issue is they can't score more than 17 points. Right. 
they suck offensively. But now Arthur Smith has completely changed their offensive game plan where they don't even really throw throw the ball. They, they've ran the ball over their last three games 60.73% of the time. That's 7% more than the next closest team. And they're they just using, run the ball and play defense. And they're finally which, using Bijan Robinson, which is obviously who would have thought using a great player would, it would lead to better results. But uh, uh, he's not trying to care about your fantasy football team. Right. So <laughs> to answer Justin's question, yeah, I think Bijan Robinson will be uh, RB1 in the NFL, like the best running back in the NFL. Um, possibly. Um, McCaffrey retires. Yeah. If McCaffrey's not there anymore, then yeah, certainly. Um, yeah. I mean, if the Falcons can play really good defense and run the football effectively, they can be get scrappy in games that against teams that are much better. So I'm just is young way who still their, their kicker. Yeah. And he's a good kicker. He has right now the best career field goal percentage in the NFL. Yeah, he's really good. He, he surpassed Justin Tucker because Justin Tucker's missed a couple recently. He has like a 90% field goal make rate. Yeah, Butker's got to be pretty close though too because Butker was second and he's been perfect this season. Come on now. Let me look it up. Don't go spread misinformation. Not on this show, pal. No. Number one, Young Way Koo. 90.12%. Number two, Justin Tucker, 89.93%. Number three, Harrison Butker, 89.42. I knew it was close. Uh, so there you go. Young Way Koo, as of right now, the only kicker in NFL history to have a percent uh, of over 90%. Was he with the Chargers for a little bit? He started with Chargers and he yeah. stunk and they released him after like three weeks. Yeah, yeah. I, I always find it funny when teams do that because you're, you know, you know, they're just sitting there going, damn, I wish we had Young Waku back. Just the the Panthers are sitting there going, damn, I wish we would have kept Harrison Butker. There is a trend. Um, I think I read an article or just a tweet about it at the start of the year, but there is a trend of like rookie kickers always being terrible with their first team, getting released, and then becoming good with the second team they signed with. It's like a, a trend that's like gone, gone on for the past 20 years. Young Way Koo is an example. Harrison Bucker is an example. Uh, you can find a, you know, a decent amount of guys who that works for. So sure. Shout out to the Chargers. Thank you for releasing Young Way Koo. Um, also, by the way, I was just watching Young Way Koo. The guy's got swag. He just like walks like around the field, like during warmups and on the sideline during the game. The guys, the kids got swag. Um, all right. Uh, let's uh, preview. We're a little bit behind schedule, so let's rip through these. Preview week uh, 14 games. Thursday night football. Is this the worst game of the year, Patriots against Steelers? Uh, no, that was the Falcons versus Jets, and you attended it. But no. uh, but wow, yeah, this is going to be a brutal game. Uh, yeah, obviously no Kenny Pickett, Mitch Trubisky for the Steelers. Who knows for the Patriots? It doesn't matter. Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi are the exact same quarterback. There's no difference between the two. Uh, it is the lowest total of the year. So if you're just talking about points, then yes, it's projected to be the worst game of the season. The over-under is set at 30. Oh, and that seems like it's <laughs> going to be a struggle to get to. I like. Oh, yeah. Take that seems under. like is this is going to be an Iowa football game. This is yep. Iowa versus Louisville. Yep. Uh, so I have no thoughts. I'm going to take the points of the Patriots because I guess I'll take six points because it's, it's not going to be a good game. Uh, Rams against Ravens, a sneaky good game here. Rams have won three straight games since coming off their bye week. All of a sudden in the hunt here for an NFC playoff spot at six and six Ravens coming off their bye week, uh, in the hunt for, uh, the number one seed in the AFC tied with the dolphins right now, based on tiebreakers, dolphins would hold the number one seed. Uh, the two teams play a little bit later in the season, but the Ravens certainly in the mix. Seven and a half point favorites at home to the Rams. That seems like too many points. I like the Ravens in this game. Big big fan of the Ravens overall. I think they're a great team, but the Rams are a little sneaky. Um, when you have that many weapons, that many weapons, it, it, it makes it hard because you're never out of a game. Right. Um, I like the point in this one. I, I I wouldn't. I think that's the way I'd go if I if I was betting this game. I'm give me the uh, the seven and a half points here. Uh, I'm laying the points of the Ravens. Not super confident, though. I know the Rams look good against the Browns defense last week, but I think they match up a little bit worse stylistically against the Ravens defense, uh, who allow the fewest yards per pass attempt in the NFL. So I'm going to lay the points of the Ravens, but not a super confident play for me. Uh, Colts Bengals all of a sudden became an intriguing matchup here. Now two teams battling for a playoff spot, a wildcard spot in the AFC. The Colts sitting at seven and five Bengals just outside the playoffs at six and six. Uh, the Colts were two and a half point favorites before last night. And then after Jake Brown, Browning's uh, strong performance, the line has now moved down a point and a half. Bengals now just one point underdog at home to the Colts. When the Colts play, wild shit happens. 
Yes. Block puns, running into the kicker, like just just nuts stuff. They don't play normal games. Uh, I I like watching the Colts play because every game's entertaining. Uh, Gardner Minshew is an absolute joy to watch. I do think Jake Browning is um, solid. Again, I you know I know it's a small sample size, but there was nothing that showed me that that was. Uh, unrealistic, right? There was nothing that showed me that, no, he's more like Tim Boyle than he is uh, a legit backup quarterback. Um, I'm excited for this game. I, I I don't know how I'd bet this game, but I, I, I'm excited to at least watch this game. Uh, I'm going to take the Colts. Uh, Bengals defense is still one of the worst in the NFL. And I just, I just can't, unless they're going to be big time underdogs, I can't just bank on another good Jake Browning performance and bet on the Bengals. Their defense stinks. Mm. Uh, so I'm going to take the Colts. Uh, Bills against Chiefs, an intriguing matchup. Chiefs, two and a half point uh, favorites at home, coming off the loss to the Packers. Bills coming off their bye week. Bills can't really afford to lose this game if they want to make the playoffs. Uh, do the Chiefs bounce back? Do the Bills win? What do you think? Yeah, this is a tough one. Uh, Bills have to have this for their playoff lives, while the Chiefs need to win to have any shot real- realistically at the one seed, right? So there's a lot to play for for both mm-hmm. teams. Uh, the Bills have been pretty good against Kansas City, especially in the regular season, obviously, right? The playoffs have been a little different story, but the regular season, the Bills have been pretty good, even at Arrowhead. But the two and a half points, give me the Chiefs, right? That's less than a field goal. I think the Chiefs can win by a field goal. Um, I like Kansas City to cover. Um, I, yeah, I, I wish I couldn't. I wish I didn't have to bet on this game. I am going to take the Bills and the two and a half points. Not confident though, Ooh. but I'm just committed to the Bills. Uh, I've lost betting on them a lot this season. I'm committed to them. I think they're better than their record. Offensively, their metrics are better than the Chiefs' offensive metrics in a lot of key areas. Not by a ton, but by a little bit. But then there is the Chiefs have a big defensive advantage. But uh, Bills coming off the bye week. I don't know. I, don't I know. love the under. The under is the one Ooh, that I feel okay. more confident about. 47, yep, 47 points. Yep. Yeah. All right. Uh, and then Sunday Night Football, big one, Eagles, Cowboys. Everyone should know where I'm going at for, for this one. Cowboys, I'll lay the points of them, minus three and a half at home. They deserve to beat the Eagles last time they played. They outplayed them in just about every single metric. Uh, Eagles needed about five things to go their way to not lose that game, and all five of them did. Um, I don't think that's going to be the case now with the Cowboys returning home. And as we talked about earlier, the Eagles defense stinks. I like the Eagles with the points. That hook is right. the one I like. I like it, baby. That's a win. Three and a half. Cowboys win by three. That's still a win for the Eagles. Uh, and by the way, can you name the, the good teams uh, the Cowboys have beat this season? Um, The Seahawks. No, no, no. I said good teams. Uh, That's the best team that they beat this yeah, season. Yeah, uh-huh. That was my point. Well, I mean, it's not like they played a ton of good teams either. They played two sure. good teams, the 49ers and, and the and the Eagles. And yeah, they had that go. Got destroyed by the 49ers and and the Eagles. Yeah, they lost, but come on. They they were the better team in that game. Okay. We uh, disagree huge, a lot here. <laughs> yes, we do. Uh, huge total in this game. If anyone uh, wants to uh, watch some points being scored, tune in to Sunday Night Football because total is 53. Uh, rough week for our picks last week, Sterling, after uh, you had a, a stretch there of your red hot. Uh, unfortunately, no wins last week. You went 0-2-1. Uh, you pushed on the Chargers minus six. Um, I bet that game early in the week, and this will never happen to me uh, as a sports better again for the rest of my life. I bet uh, on the Patriots when the line was six and a half. So I won my Patriots bet without them scoring a single point. I won Patriots plus six and a half. That's absurd. <laughs> I, I, that will I never thought, happen again. How do I lose with the Patriots scoring zero points? Like that is just absurd. You did push, so it's not technically a loss. It is a push. It will go on your record as a push. Felt like um, a loss. But still, if you if you hold your opponent to zero points, you would hope that they're able to cover the spread. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. It probably would feel like a loss. Um, and then uh, I lost, or sorry, my one win of the week. I went one and two. My one win of the week was uh, 49ers to cover against the Eagles. That was easy. Uh, we both lost our total bets. I took uh, the over between the Cardinals and the Steelers. I'll blame that one on Kenny Pickett getting hurt. Uh, and you lost, uh, and I was on this bet myself, the under between the Rams and the Browns. I was shocked. That wasn't even close to going under. That went way yeah. over. Um, Rams moved the ball all day against the Browns defense. That was shocking. Yeah. Uh, neither of us hit an upset pick. Uh, I continue to be the worst underdog better in NFL history right now. 
Um, I Saints- thought I said Arizona over uh, Steelers, but I did it not on this show. It was on a different one, and I'm so Ooh. bummed because I was like, let's go. I called it, and then I looked at the show sheet, and I go, you idiot, Sterling. You didn't even put it on this show. Uh, you were very close to um, – Hitting the Broncos. He took Broncos over Texans very close. They had a chance. Uh, Russell Wilson threw pick six there right at the end. Um, hold on. Try, Trevor Lawrence news. Um, Jaguars coach Doug Peterson says quarterback. This is breaking quarterback. Trevor Lawrence has just a high ankle sprain. All other tests coming back clean. Peterson wouldn't put a timetable on Lawrence's recovery, but didn't rule him out for this week and not season ending. Um Ooh. That's Didn't huge news for this week is wild for, I, I know he's a quarterback, right? But a high ankle sprain still, that's crazy. I mean, I would say he misses this week, but still, I mean, the fact that it's not season ending and they'll have him back for the playoffs at least is massive. Cause it looked like the Jaguar season was over last night. Yep. Also what happened to Walker little, the left tackle went out on the same play and we never heard word like, did he just feel so bad that he's like, I'm, I'm, I'm pulling myself, fellas. Like, that was crazy to see because they did not talk about it again on the broadcast. Yeah, I'm trying to look this up right now. Hamstring injury, but no, uh, no more details about that. Monitoring his status ahead of week 14. Um, the other thing I actually wanted to bring up about that game, and I tweeted about it last night. Sterling, I don't know if you were actually watching the game last night or not, but I sure was. Uh, the play before the water boy came out on the field for the Jaguars. Um, thinking that, that they had called a timeout, they had not called a timeout, so the Jaguars were forced to call a timeout, and then the very next play, Trevor Lawrence gets hurt. If that water boy doesn't run on the field and then force the Jaguars to call a timeout, Trevor Lawrence doesn't bust up his ankle, and this season is completely different. Now, it looks like he's going to be back, but that water boy must felt like an all-time idiot last night. Oh, that sucks. What a, what a twist of fate. Yeah, that uh, poor guy. I feel bad for the dude. Um, all right, back to our picks here. Yeah, we both lost upset. I took Saints over Lions. You took Broncos over Texans. Both of them had a game-winning drive, a potential game-winning drive. Neither of them could convert. Um, so picks for this week, starting with our best spread bet. I'm going to take a massive underdog this week, Sterling, uh, mm-hmm. and it's going to be one of the two Monday night football games. I'm going to take the Titans plus 14, getting two touchdowns against the Miami Dolphins, mainly because uh, the Titans and this kind of relates to what I was talking about with the Falcons earlier. Very good in the red zone. Falcons are first red zone defense. Titans are second. Uh, They're also 15th, so not bad in third down defense. But for a team to cover a two-touchdown spread, you got to be able to convert red zone trips uh, to touchdowns instead of field goals. So I actually think the story of this game is going to be the Dolphins' red zone offense because they have the best red zone offense in the NFL, and they're going up against the second-best red zone defense in the Titans. Did the Dolphins win the game? Yes. Can they cover two touchdowns? That's a lot against a very well-coached Titans team. I'll take the points with Tennessee. Mm, hate it. Uh, I, I, I think the the Dolphins roll. Uh, it's going to be a rough one to cheer for, that's for yeah. sure. Yeah, it's, it, it's might be over, it might be over immediately. It's going to be one of those backdoor covers, right? They're down 21, and all of a sudden you see Will Levis just throw a, throw a touchdown late in the game, and all of a sudden it's, a, oh, yeah, look at that. They covered. <laughs> yeah, well. That's the 14-point spread. That, that, that's the, the the glory of it. You can, you can be down right. 20 and score a garbage-time touchdown. Next thing you know, you covered. Early in the season, I took Panthers plus 14 against the Dolphins, and the Panthers were up 14 nothing. And I was like, there's no way this bet loses. And then the Dolphins came back and won like 42 to 17 or something like Covered wasn't even close. Um, uh, could happen again. I've already talked about this one. So Eagles plus three and a half versus Dallas. I think the half point is why uh, the main reason why I'm taking it. I think the Eagles are still a really good team. I think Dallas has not played uh, well outside of against the Eagles uh, against any sort of decent team in the NFL. Um, I mean, again, they they should have lost the Seahawks too. And the Seahawks, I think, are just yep. an average team. Um, they don't play well against good teams. So give me the points. All right, fair enough. Uh, total bet. I'm going to go with my favorite over bet over 43. The under has hit a ton for both of these teams, but I think we've seen over bet, uh, an over cash here because both defenses are some of the worst defenses in the NFL by almost every metric. 28th and 31st in opponent yards per play, 26th and 30th in opponent EPA per play, 29th and 30th in opponent success rate, 20th and 29th in opponent points per game. Uh, any game involving these two bad defenses don't deserve having a total in the low 40s. I'll take the over. Uh, I'm going over with the Colts and the Bengals over 40 and a half. Yeah. Jake Browning season in full effect, but it's not necessarily just that it's the fact that the Colts, their defense somehow 
I don't understand their defense. Like at times I think they're decent, but yet they're still giving up like 25 a game. Right. Offensively, you're like, I don't think they're great, but yet they're still scoring 25 a game. They Mm -hmm. just play in these sort of weird games. So give me the over in a weird game with the Bengals and their backup quarterback and Gardner Minch, the backup quarterback for the Colts. Yeah, I I, I do like that one. Uh, Upset pick of the week. Uh, I think the Buccaneers beat my Falcons because it would just be very Falcons of them to win two straight games, take sole possession of first place in the NFC South, and then lose the Bucs at home. Uh, If the Bucs win, if they beat the Falcons and the Saints beat the Panthers, we have a three-way tie top the NFC South at six and seven. It's going to be ugly. Um, My main concern is A.J. Terrell. Uh, He left the game this past week, didn't return, I believe is with a concussion. If he can't go, the Falcons' secondary depth is going to be an issue, and now they have to take on Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Uh, So no A.J. Terrell against Mike Evans and Chris Godwin is an issue, and also the Buccaneers have a good run defense. The Falcons have committed to the run. If they can't move the ball on the ground against this team, they're going to struggle to score points if they have to rely on the arm of Desmond Ritter. So I will take the Buccaneers to beat my Falcons. Yeah, I actually love that one right there. Um, and Rashad White's been getting way more involved for the Buccaneers. Uh, obviously a very good pass catcher, but he's starting to break open a little more in the run game as well. Uh, I like the Raiders over the Vikings. I am a little surprised. I'm a little surprised the Vikings, the Vikings are favored um, on the road by three points. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the Raiders at home. They're fighting for the playoff lives. They're playing hard for Antonio Pierce. They're not the most talented team by any means, but uh, they do have some weapons. Um, I'll, I'll just take the Raiders at home. I like it. All right. Interesting. Don't hate that one at all. Uh, So now uh, we'll wrap up the show as always. Um, I hope that we get to stop doing this segment soon because once again, I'm going to be broke if you keep winning Uh, your survivor pool. You are still somehow all the way to week 14. Um, I wish you had joined like an actual like big money survivor pool. Like you'd be down to like the last few. Um, You have chosen the teams you cannot choose this week include. And this has turned into a very long list. The Commanders, the Bills, the Dolphins, the 49ers, the Lions, the Rams, the Seahawks, the Chargers, the Saints, the Cowboys, the Jaguars, the Chiefs, the Buccaneers, and that's it. Um, Buccaneers gave you a little bit of a scare this past week. They sure did. I was not confident in that game, but uh, there were not a lot of games to choose from last week. Yeah. Uh, I still have the Bengals to use, but I'm not using them now with no, no Joe Burrow. I still have the Ravens to use, mm-hmm. but I, I'm deciding on them. I still have the Eagles to use, but the Eagles have had such a brutal stretch. I haven't used them yet. I think I'm going with Houston. I think I'm going to go with Houston. Houston against the Jets. Yeah. Um, doesn't – probably a good pick because the Jets' offense is the worst in the NFL. Yeah, and so I, I – you know, the Rams and the Ravens, I could take the Ravens there, but – the Rams scare me more than the Jets do, right? Yeah. Uh, I think the fair. Ravens are a much better team than Houston, but the Jets can't score. You score 13 points, I think you win that game. I, I think CJ Stroud that often scores at least 13 points. So I will uh I'll roll with Houston. All right. Um, I think that's completely fair. Uh I think that's a good pick. The Jets uh kept the Falcons to 13 points and still didn't cover the spread or even come close to beating them. So yeah, I mean the Texans might just need to like score 10 points. They're going to beat the Jets. There you have it. That's our show. Final thoughts. I, I feel a little bad. Like it's Christmas time and you're now having to not give presents to your significant others. Your parents. <laughs> you're giving it to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, I mean, to be fair, maybe I'd, I might not have to buy this gift until after Christmas. Cause I think the last week of the season is in January. So well, there you go. I maybe I'll the Christmas money I get from my family will then be used towards buying you a gift. Yeah, you're, you're gonna have to have some stipulations where well, you got to get all the way to the Super Bowl now, too. Right, you gotta get it. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, uh, that is our show. Thank you everyone, uh, for watching. Uh, be sure to subscribe to the Stack in the Box YouTube channel, like this video, uh, go sign up for Sleeper Daily Fantasy. Uh, you get a new, uh, new users get a first deposit match up to $100. Use the code FANSIDED2, that is FANSIDED, and then the number two when signing up to receive your deposit match at Sleeper Daily fantasy follow me on twitter at ian mac bets iain mac bets follow sterling at, at home stretch kc um good luck if you decide to play some bets this weekend uh and regardless enjoy the games we'll talk to you next week for week 15 of the nfl season
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.